When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello and welcome to episode four of the Boston Celtics Reddit podcast. Notice we're no longer the unofficial Celtics Reddit podcast. Thanks, mods. Who knows? Maybe one day we'll make it official. Anyway, for now, one thing we already are is in the company of one of the most knowledgeable Celtics Redditors, New Zealand's oh, finest. Stop it's it. It's Joe. Stop it. Stop it. <laughs> how are you, Joe? I'm good. I, I, I don't know how I feel. I, I'm. Am I happier being the uh, the unofficial Celtics Reddit podcast, being an outsider? Or do I want to be in the fold? Or am I, or are I happier being in limbo? Are we like the unauthorized Celtics Reddit podcast? You know, like the unauthorized We're definitely unauthorized. Podcast. We're certainly not authorized by uh, anybody other than ourselves. Yeah, well... <laughs> Well, maybe that's a bit. Maybe we just want to be anti-establishment. Maybe that's where we want to be. I don't know. Um, <laughs> maybe we'll, we'll chop and change it um, from each episode. Um, that's see, right. See how we feel before each recording. Yeah. <laughs> Look, we're definitely, uh, definitely not the official podcast. But uh, thanks to the the kindness of the rare kindness of the mods, we're, uh, we've dropped the unofficial from our title. So it's a start. To start, we'll see. Uh, we'll see how we go. Coming up on the show, some recaps from the past week. We've got the Bulls game. We've got the Wolves game, and sad face, we've got Sunday's Pacers game. We'll continue the commiserations from there and take a look at all the recent injury news and try, try to put a positive spin on things. Later, Jackson's going to join us to check in on our closest rivals, including those pesky Raptors, in another segment of Opponent Watch. And finally, we'll get to the subreddit's top posts over the past week and shout out some of you guys from around our little community. But first, Joe, last Monday night, we had... The Road Geno, a bit of rare good news it seems. The Road Geno in Chicago, the 105-89 win over the Bulls. Yeah. I, I, I was almost like, when did we play the Bulls again? Yeah. It seems like forever like ago. ago. Yeah. Absolutely forever, yeah. Um, that was, okay, so this is my honest take on this game. Uh-huh. That, that <laughs> because, because as, and you, you, you know, down here in the Antipodes, Ben, We've got this issue where we, and we've referred to it a lot, where you have to follow the games you're in at work. Well, yeah. this is one of those days, this is one of those games where I wasn't so anxiously hitting, uh, checking my phone and uh, or checking the box score. I was a little more comfortable with this game, especially after um, after Robin Lopez and Justin Holiday got benched <laughs> for five minutes in the <laughs> yeah. first quarter. <laughs> I think you can be forgiven for that, Joe. <laughs> yeah. um, but no, to me it was a... I guess we'll probably touch on this point here, but um, you know, if we were to tra- track the journey from the All Star break, um, there's been a lot of consistency. I feel like bridges have been mended between between um, a pretty frazzled fan base um, p- before the All Star break, and now we're, we're sort of starting to settle down. Like our team's starting to develop good habits. We're not falling behind by 15 in the first quarter. Where yeah. it's it's emotionally a lot less taxing right now, um, knowing that we're going to be in be in every game. I mean, we'll we'll get to the emotionally taxing uh, injuries in a second, but um, but certainly in the way that we've been playing, you know, starting lineup present or not, um, we we definitely uh, removed ourselves from some of those bad habits, like you said, going down, you know, 14, 15, 16 early in games and having to claw back. And there's been none of that since the All Star break, so that's been good to see, at least at the point of time that was the Bulls game. Yeah, it was. It was. Um, if we can help in our time machines, um, <laughs> get into the DeLorean, go back one week, go back, <laughs> go back one week. Things are looking pretty rosy. 
after that after that Chicago game. They were great um, times. They were they were great times. <laughs> um, I it was cool to see Shane Larkin step in. Did you see that little tweet he had? Um, he was obviously taken by surprise that um, <laughs> that he got named starter. Yeah, <laughs> but but um, obviously Brad Stevens wants Combat Muscles to stay on the bench to start the game off, and then and then come on to destroy teams afterwards. So I was. Re- it's just cool to see a guy like that have a um, just get a little moment. You know, totally. Uh, he was playing in China last year, so the fact that he's starting for you know the uh, the Boston Celtics just one year later, it's uh, pretty impressive. Yeah, Ainge has just done. Like, you can hit and miss with the bargain basement signings, but, man, he's had mm. two pretty solid hits in Tice, RIP, and, um, and, and Larkin. Um, but, yeah, it was just a solid... It was just a nice, relaxing game, to be honest. Um, so we had no, no Kyrie for the Bulls game. Uh, a slight, I want to say, return of Al Horford. He chipped in 13 points, seven rebounds, two assists, a steal, a block... Uh, a fairly efficient six for eight from the field in only 22 minutes. So it was good to see Al get his a little bit after a bit of a rough stretch, uh, maybe living up he to the name of Average Al. Right. Yeah, he has been a little average. <laughs> Al has been a little average by Average Al standards. <laughs> yes, yeah. to say the least. So it was good to see him, you know, have an impact on the game. And while 13 points for, you know, maybe an all-star center doesn't seem like a lot, he did have an impact on the game, particularly with Kyrie out. Someone else who had an impact on the game, Jalen Brown played well. With Kyrie out of the game, Jalen really stepped up, finishing a plus 29 with his 21 points, four rebounds, three assists, uh, shooting nine for 13 very efficiently from the field. So that was good to see. We'll get to the the slight Jalen Brown tragedy in a moment. We're still in the time machine. We're still in the time machine. We're we're still back in 1955. (laughs) We know nothing of the Wolves (laughs) game. The enchantment under the sea dance is yet to happen, all right? That's right. (laughs) Yeah, no, I think he's really starting to flourish. Brown is just really, you know, consistency is the word that keeps coming up for me with, with, and I don't want to jump ahead in your topics too much there, Ben, but like Rosier and Brown are just starting to produce really consistently. Totally. And and Marcus's shooting comes and goes, but he's also pretty consistent in what he's going to provide you from an organizational point of view on both the offensive and defensive end. You know, we're just, I think that's why um, the, the bench, you know, obviously Jalen's going to spend some time with the second unit mm. and, um, and, and, and Marcus and, and, and Terry anchor it, you know, so we don't go through lulls when the second unit's good. So when our young guys get consistent, the second unit sort of starts to, uh, starts to, starts to put teams away and starts to put some distance um, between them to give the starters something to work with. Yeah, absolutely. And on that, uh, bef- I looked this up on stats.nba.com, which uh, despite um, you know the nba.com website itself is not very good. It's not a very good resource for NBA content at all. But the stats portion of the website is, is very, very good. I had a look at our bench net rating pre-All-Star break where we were 12th overall at... 0.2, a 0.2 bench net rating. Now, admittedly, I don't know, nor did I bother to find out how the bench net rating is calculated. Uh, and at that time, uh, the Raptors were first uh, with an 8.8 bench it net rating. shocker. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, the bench has been incredible this year. But look, getting back to us, post-All-Star break, sure, the Raps are still first, and we've only hit 11th place, but, but our bench net rating has jumped up to 4.3. So that's from 0.2 to 4.3. Uh, and it so was like up. the Utah Jazz winning um, <laughs> winning like 18 of 20 and going from 10th place in the, in, in the Western Conference <laughs> to 10th place yeah. in the Western Conference. So in, in a vacuum, it means everything to us. But in the overall standings, unfortunately, uh, I suppose everyone else's bench has been improving. But, you know, we're a Celtics podcast. We're looking at the Celtics. And the Celtics bench uh, has really improved based on these statistics. Uh, and look, at some point uh, around the Bulls game, which we were just talking about, our bench net rating was up around the eights, which is where the Raptors were um, pre-All-Star break as well. So it's it's been a major improvement there from the bench and probably a good reason why we haven't been falling behind, like you said earlier, Joe, by you know those, those double-digit figures early in the game as our bench checks in. So it's good to see. Now, we could spend... Uh, a lot of time in the uh, the bliss that was the, the period in time a week ago of the Bulls game. Let's move on to the Minnesota game. Uh, now, we were talking about Marcus Smart before. Smart had a pretty good game uh, against Minnesota. Did you see his incredible putback dunk about halfway through the game? 
I loved it. Skinny Marcus. Yeah. And like Skinny Kyrie Marcus just like getting all hype off the bench. <laughs> yeah. Um that was <laughs> that was that was a great moment. Um yeah, the 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 Minnesota game to me was more of the same. Like you look down at Terry Rozier, okay, he's five of ten yeah. a game, you know. He's he's getting ten points, he's getting five rebounds, his rebounding's huge for us off the bench. And it was just continued progress. Kyrie was scorching though that game. You know, it just sort of seemed like um it, you know, when he was out for the Bulls game, obviously it meant that we weren't taking the Bulls game too seriously, but no. we were taking the Timberwolves game pretty seriously. Mm-hmm. And it just seemed it just seemed like we were he was our finisher for that game. Um, we sort of put him in when we when we really needed a bucket, but that game was always under control, you know, like even if the margin Sometimes the margin gets to six and you get nervous. Sometimes that six-point lead feels like a three-point lead. And sometimes a six-point lead feels like a ten-point lead. Totally. You know what I mean? Yeah. And just... that six-point lead always felt like a ten-point lead to yeah. me. You're absolutely um, right. Like, we were just completely in control of the game the whole time. Uh, as well as Kyrie chipping in his 23 points at nine for 15 from the field. Seven boards and eight assists. A couple of steals and a block. Uh, Al Horford, who we talked about, um, coming back into form. This time... 20 points, 8 boards, 6 assists, and a block. So, at least for that game, he's been out more recently with an illness. But Al Horford, well and truly back to form. Hopefully, he continues that upwards trend uh, and and remains in that form, if not improving on it between now and the playoffs. And uh, We we really need it. it. Yeah. We need it. Offensively, like, he just makes us go. If he's taking and making those threes, then, you know, then the two-man game with Kyrie stays really dangerous and... Uh, we are a difficult offensive team to stop. I think we need Al Horford taking, taking three or four threes a game and making you know two of them. I think that's really important that that, uh, that he's playing with confidence and shooting with confidence. Yeah, definitely. Before we get to the obvious uh, elephant in the room, I want to talk about quickly Marcus Morris, who finished the Celtics uh, team high plus sixteen. Uh, 17 points off the bench, 3 for 5 from 3, 7 for 15 from the field overall, 33 minutes. That dude lately, particularly after the All-Star break, has just been killing it for us off the bench. And, you know, for a healthy Celtics team, which we uh, can only hope for at this point, heading into the playoffs, um, he's going to be absolutely crucial coming off the bench because that guy, he can get his own shot. And you know, there are times where he'll he'll be missing it and it'll be seemingly taking... Uh, boneheaded shots, but when he's making them, when he's making those little iso hezzy jimbos, uh, as we like to call them, uh, he <laughs> is he's a two of force off the bench, um, which is great to see, and he really uh, killed it for us in the mini game. Yeah, I'm going to keep harping on this about Morris. Yeah, I like it when he makes quick decisions. I don't like it when he when he when he holds the ball and slows down. I oh, don't mind dude, him completely catching agree. and shooting. I don't like him ruining the momentum that all of our action has generated. And or or sort of squandering the advantage that we've created by catching and holding. Let that thing fly, Mook. Let it fly. Yeah. That's all I got to say about Mook. Whatever you're doing, just do it quickly. Don't don't be mellow. Don't try and be mellow. Don't stop the ball. Just uh, play within the flow of the offense. I'm sure Brad's happy about that, and we're definitely happy about it here. Now, Joe, man, where were you when Jalen Brown fell on his head? I was sitting down at my desk, <laughs> and. Um, I did that. You know how I was, I was having to follow the game feed at that point. Yeah. And you know how when the game feed stops for a little bit, yes. And you're like, what, what the happened? What was going on? Yeah. You know something's going on. So I was like, oh man, something's happened here. I've got a. So I jumped on Twitter, and I just saw some oh nos, and I'm like, oh no. So then I had to, obviously, I had to had to start watching the game. Yeah. Um, to see what was going on, and oof, it was like. All he had to do was hold on to the rim, but there's something just went a little bit awry. You yeah, know? he just he slipped didn't quite or something. Get enough of the rim in his hand. It was such an odd, an odd thing to happen. You know? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I definitely know what it's like when you're at work and like you can't really watch the game. You know, you're at work; it can't always be done. And uh, you're just looking at Twitter and you see like all these tweets, like you know, prayers up or oh no or whatever it may be. Oh, no. And when it's about your own team, like your heart just drops. You know, uh, you know, something's gone wrong. Um, I think it was a Jay King tweet that I saw first, and, and um, it was something like, that was a nasty fall, you know? He, he doesn't have to name the player. You know from following the game feed that Jalen Brown just got um, fouled on a dunk attempt. And, um, and, and, and you, yeah, you're thinking the worst. And, and thus, we reach disequilibrium. 
yeah. in our little Celtics universe. We're at the point where Biff Tannen's gone back with the Bray Sports Almanac, <laughs> and we're in the alternate reality. Yeah, that's right. Everything's gone wrong. Uh, we're in a complete bizarro universe, and uh, we don't know quite how to get back to our original uh, original form. I was uh, I was watching the game at work. I have this um, sort of unique ability where I can put League Pass on my phone and slide it under my monitor riser so that I can sort of lean back in my chair and, and see the game while no one else around me can see it. And I was having a meeting around my desk and had some guys crowding around looking at my screen while we were getting some work done. And I had the game on in sort of the corner of my eye. And we're in the middle of this, you know, I would like to say fairly professional meeting. And I see Jalen Brown go down and I see the fall happen live. And I just immediately scream out, oh no! And like get up and grab my phone and sort of run into the, the break room area with my phone, just like clutching it, thinking, like immediately flashing back to Gordon Haywood and just immediately assuming the worst. And, you know, how, how could you not if you saw the way that he went down? I'm sure you saw the replay, Joe. And, he basically oh, landed on the back of his head. Yeah. Yeah. So when I picked it up, he was still on the ground. And yeah. my first, the first scene I saw was them bringing the stretcher out, but the stretcher was empty. Um, and then shades of Paul Pierce. Well, not shades of Paul Pierce because he didn't get wheeled <laughs> off. But, um, but yeah, then, then Jalen Brown, he got up and miraculously walked away. I, I think, I was kind of what I had a few chances to check the replay, and I was like, "Oh, it looked more like he landed on his shoulder than his head. It looked like it didn't look like the head took the brunt of the fall." To to my eyes, I could be wrong there, but but that gave me some comfort, and I thought I thought at that point when I saw the replay a few times, it actually settled me down a little bit, to be honest. Yeah, no, that was, that was really good to see, and the fact that he got up and and you know eventually with some assistance walked off on his own accord, but um. I was just. I Can was, we just pick up the story? Yeah, like I, I so was you a go thousand out to the staring. So I've gone out to the break room and I've just sort of watched my phone. I was standing there on my own, watching it for a while until eventually, you know, he got up, like I said, and, and walked back to the uh, to the locker room. But uh, oh, I eventually goodness. sort of composed myself and walked back to the to the area where we were meeting, just with this, you know, thousand yard stare. Like I don't want to overdo the story too much but you know i was probably triggered a little bit after the hayward stuff earlier in the year and like definitely shocked and you know we've talked about this podcast a bunch of times how you know the celtics win or loss can make or break your day or your week and you know i have a coffee mug downstairs at my house right now that has jalen brown printed on the front of it like i freaking love jalen brown and so the fact that i thought that he landed and damaged his entire body um was troubling to say the least and so yeah, yeah i kind of walked back into that meeting uh, area just not the same person as i was when i when i ran out in a panic um and everyone was kind of like dude is everything all right i was just like let's not talk about it let's move on and uh we'll worry yeah, about okay. this later question did they know that it was celtics related no so the, or i mean they i think it was personal they know that i love the celtics i got i got some celtic stuff up on my desk like they know it's a thing yeah. for me um, but they don't quite know the extent to which you know I, I obsess over the team, and they they couldn't see the uh, the game on because uh, it was sort of slid under my monitorizer, like I said. But um, so in their minds, like we were just having a chat, just uh, having a you know normal meeting at work, and all of a sudden I just screamed out, "Oh no!" and ran out of the room. So I don't know. It was worth it. You know, there's more more important things in life than work, and uh, for me, the Celtics it's one of those things. <laughs> so anyway, I'm glad he's okay. I'm pretty fortunate that I, I contract, so I just I basically just bill the hours that I work. So yeah, right. <laughs> if need be, I can just stop the clock and and watch the and just watch the Celtics guilt free. The trouble is, of course, if you if you like, you can chew up a lot of time doing that, and that's not ideal when you actually get paid for the hours that yeah. you charge. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and we'll get to the uh, the injuries uh, in depth a little bit later on in the podcast. I just want to quickly yes, move will. on to the Indiana Pacers game, the very unfortunate loss and yet close game to the Indiana Pacers in Boston, 99 to 97. Joe, what are your thoughts? Okay, I liked what I saw in that game. Me too. I really liked what I saw in that game. There was um, that's that point. You know, in the fourth quarter, Indy went up by like I think they, I think they pushed it up to eleven, but it was like a nine-point lead, right? That was we sort of traded buckets for a bit, and then um, there was that section of about five minutes out where our energy just picked up like crazy, um, and I just really liked what I saw. I just like this team's like this team's a, <laughs> they're a bunch of scrappers, man. Um, 
It's exactly what you want, you know. And you know how I don't know if you guys get this when you watch, but do you ever get the feeling like you can just sense the team's energy picking up, you know? Totally. And and you, I I thought like I thought, man, I think we're gonna get this game. Like we just have more energy. The thing, the crucial play for me was the um the Oladipo where we trapped him and he fell on the ground. It should have been a twenty four second violation, but they yes. got Tice for the they got Tice for the foul, which was pretty inadvertent contact i thought it was i thought that was a real momentum changer um although that said we weren't scoring it very well and we probably really needed a live ball turnover to actually score it felt like we went five minutes without scoring yeah no um, at, at that point without you know our key offensive contributors off the floor like you said we really needed a transition bucket off a turnover at that point uh struggling with the half court offense side of things and with injuries galore obviously no Jalen Brown. Kyrie left at the end of the first half with uh, some knee soreness. Jason Tatum, though, with a cool 19 points, five boards, three assists, and two blocks. Perhaps he has finally leapt over that, that rookie wall. And Marcus Smart, uh, almost game-winning plays down the stretch there. Very solid effort. 20 points, seven boards, eight assists, four steals, and he hits six threes, though he did miss another six threes. He went six for 12 overall from beyond the arc. That was cool to see. Smart's like, he's like the alchemist, right? Like, he just kind of, like, <laughs> yeah. he just, like, makes gold out of nothing, you know? Like, it, you know, when we made, we trapped them, uh, I forget how late down, that we, we just had a turnover, and, um, and or it might have actually been the play after he almost saved it inbounds to Rosier. Yeah. And then they had to inbound it, and he got the steal off the inbounds. I think that was the sequence. I, I might be confusing a couple of things in my head, but, like, he just makes things happen. Uh, okay, if one of my little spice, like not quite hot take, but just like just a little, a little, a little bit of spice. No, nah, dude, this is what the people uh, tune in for. Lay it on this us. This is what they tune in <laughs> for. All right, people. Um, I didn't like Smart's game against the Pacers as much as I liked his game against Minnesota. Okay. And the reason why is like I like when. When Mark Marcus Smart, I don't. I'm not crazy about him shooting threes. <laughs> I like it when he's going to the hoop. It's just to me, we're a better we're a better offensive team when he's going to the hoop as opposed to as opposed to taking the threes. Now I know I said in previous podcasts that his willingness to shoot is an important serves an important function in our offense. I still stand by that, but I just like the mix better when he's when I see Marcus Smart's gone. I'd rather see him go two for seven and one of two from three, you know? Like, I'd rather yeah. him miss going to the hoop. Um, but, yeah. So, for that reason, I kind of like the I liked the Minnesota game just a little better. I just I just sort of felt like he was... He put his impact on both games. Um, yeah, what what did you think of... Uh, what What's your take on that? Is that... Am I off base? What's your, what are your thoughts? I think you, you definitely got a good point there. Like, he seems to always make good decisions when he drives to the hoop, whether it's taking the shot himself or, or making the, the right play in terms of distributing the ball. Whereas, mm. when he's shooting the ball from beyond the arc, I mean, we could have easily seen it right down the, end, uh, the stretch at the end of the game there where uh, him and Oladipo were going back-to-back uh, with their threes for a little bit there. Mm. And he banked in that three-point shot from like the from deep, uh, you know, beyond the top of the three-point line. And that was, you know, probably centimeters or inches if you're in the States, uh, away from being uh, a, a terrible classic Marcus Smart miss. But, you know, of course, it, it goes down as him affecting winning, as we like to say in the subreddit, because uh, he luckily banks it in. Whereas if he'd driven, you know, to the hoop and, and maybe made the correct play um, or made a, you know, a classic Marcus Smart play, then uh, he would have lived up to, you know, what you were seeing out of him in the Minnesota game. So probably forced yeah. to have more of an impact in the Pacers game, given, uh, you know, the lack of Kyrie there um, and already seeing um, some other guys out due to injury. Um, but certainly the style of play that we saw from him in Minnesota was preferable. Yeah, I agree with you. So that kind of feeds into probably my second take. Uh, you, you gave T- Tatum props. It's good to see him producing. Um, in that last quarter, I really wanted to see, like, he's still young. He's still got time. This doesn't have to happen now. But what I really wanted to see out of Tatum was just some force. I, I want to see, see him really, like, be the dominant personality offensively. Like, uh, you know, it doesn't mean he takes every shot. 
but I want to see him really aggressive. Like, I love it when he gets the ball in transition and goes. Um, and Tatum was a little quiet for me. I know he got fouled going to the rim twice. Yeah. You know, but I just... He was he was our best offensive player out there at the time. And um, and I, I guess, you know, it doesn't have to happen this year. It really doesn't have to happen, you know. But overall, I probably still like Tatum better. But Brown, to me, I don't think Brown in that same situation would... I think Brown, you just know he's there, you know. Yeah. Brown would be... Would be uh, Brown would be forcing the issue a little bit. I don't know, like... Um, no, I know what you mean. Like he, Brown would at least be attempting to to leave his mark on the game or impact the game in 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 the way that only Jalen Brown can. Whereas Tatum was probably more trying to play, you know, within the flow of the Stevens offense and you know taking shots that he might have been allowed by the defense or by the movement of the ball offensively, but not trying to actually assert himself offensively and and uh, and change the game himself. There's two kinds of, like, in the flow. There's, like, you can be, let the game come to you and take those sorts of shots in the flow, but you can also be aggressive in the flow of an offense. It's the difference between, like, when you're coming off that pin down and you catch that ball, it's the difference between no hesitation shot and, and that half hesitation, maybe pass it back. It's just, like, that instant decision. That's what I want to say. I want to see instant aggressive decisions from, from, from Tatum. Yeah. And he's... He's playing a little safe sometimes, um, and he's got time to grow into this role. This is not like a um, panic button on Jason Tatum. I think that was an opportunity for him to do that, though. Um, and I, I, he's probably gonna he's gonna have the sustained opportunity actually to to sort of uh, put his put his stamp on this team. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and look, we've we've pretty much got the two seed locked down. I don't see us going above or below that, barring a catastrophe or another catastrophe at this point. So really, what are we six and a half up? Yeah, I believe maybe you can fact check that uh, for me. Yeah, but I'll just check that. I'll just check that real quick. Every now and then you see Jason Tatum. He'll catch the ball and he'll just drop like a quadruple quick crossover, which seems like alarmingly quick for his raw size um, and just isolate perfectly and get that sweet sort of open mid-range shot that he can create for himself. And to see him not assert himself like that and not create that shot for himself in those in those key dying moments of a game where we do have some of our primary scorers off on the bench or injured or for whatever reason not in the game, it would be good, like you said, to, to see him assert himself in that way and create those shots at those points in the game. Yeah, I wonder if he's, um, you know, like it's been well covered on Twitter. I think uh, Jay King and, and Danger Carter have been all over this, but, um, you know, he does get the ball stripped a lot on the way to the hoop. And I wonder if it's... He's kind of adjusting to it. You know, it's funny. Like, I have these... I coach high school kids, and some of them have, like, never played the game organized before. And they've just, yeah. they've just sort of um, bummed around with their mates. And one of the things that, like, you just want to scream at them, but you don't because they're kids. And they're really <laughs> dick move. But, like, you just want to scream at them. There's other players on the floor. They're trying to take the ball from you, you know? The, the, other people are threats, you know? And I feel like Jalen Browns, he's almost like those kids in that he's adjusting to the fact that there are NBA athletes around him <laughs> trying to take the ball away. And maybe he has realized that. And instead of, like, like I think maybe that what, maybe why he's looking to pick his spots a little more judiciously. Yeah. Um, I can understand that. All, I guess, intake, um, I would still like to see him be just a bit more aggressive. I, I want to see him catch and go, you know. Um, yeah, that, that's, that's, my, that's my Jason Tatum. Uh, that's my Jason Tatum take. We'll look. Uh, we'll use that to segue onto the next segment, which is really to discuss and commiserate over all the terrible injuries that have happened. Uh, but you know, talking about Jason Tatum, it's likely that he'll have the opportunity to to demonstrate the the impact he can have on the game as maybe one of the more marquee primary scorers within our offense. We've got uh, you know quite a lot of guys out um, indefinitely, according to the injury statuses coming out from guys like Woj. And shams and whatnot. Just a quick rundown. Disputed, disputed by Mark Murphy. You see that? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Interesting there. So, uh, are you talking about the the Marcus Smart uh, thumb situation? I am. That is indeed what I'm referring to. So we've got Kyrie out with a knee injury, listed as out indefinitely. 
Adrian Wojnarowski tweeted today on Kyrie, there's confidence that the Boston Celtics guard Kyrie Irving's left knee soreness is no more than tendonitis and that he will not need to miss significant time. League sources tell ESPN, blah, 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 blah. Considered day-to-day. So that's a good thing. Um, I, I honestly have no problem barring any sort of potential loss of conditioning keeping him out for as long as he needs to be out leading up to the playoffs. You know, like we said, lock down that two seed, uh, barring a catastrophe, and whatever time Kyrie needs to, to sit down and go through Instagram conspiracy accounts and just get his <laughs> mind right <laughs> heading into the playoffs, that's fine by me. His mind right and, he, and his knee right. As, as, long, as long as he stays woke, that's fine. That's right. Whatever fine. he needs to stay woke uh, and to keep that third eye open and all, all of that Kyrie stuff. Now, Jalen Brown, I've got in brackets, brain. Uh, you know, he fell on his head. Uh, and, you know, in all seriousness, we're lucky to hopefully avoid a brain injury there for Jalen Brown, but he really did fall hard on that head. He's out indefinitely as well. Uh, and sadly, shout out to Fongos, Daniel Tice, Danny T. Uh, he's out with the knee, torn meniscus late in that Pacers game, and he's out for the season, uh, which is, I think, was it. Was it actually incurred in the Pacers game, or was it because you know he was out against he was out against one of those road games? I think he was out against the Bulls as well, right? Yeah. So um, from what I read and from what I saw, he came in somewhat late in that Pacers game and and suffered the injury there. He had some knee soreness leading up to that point, um, but it was in the Pacers game where he actually suffered the the torn meniscus. Right. Oh man, that's you know that's heartbreaking because it's like. Even for Tice, like, this could be, I don't know, the recovery from a torn meniscus. I understand there's two types of treatments they can do, right? Like, they can, like, they can cut the loose bit off. This is like the Jimmy Butler. Jimmy Butler's gone through the same thing right now, right? Like, yeah. You can, cut, you can cut the loose bit away, and that's cool. You'll come back really quick, but it's not as good a solution. Or you can stitch it back together. Um, yeah, I, and- I actually made a post on our sub earlier today asking that exact question because I was surprised based on the meniscal injury that he was being reported as being out for the entire season. And I haven't got my post in front of me now, but you know, I basically said, you know, is he actually out for the entirety of the playoffs as well as the regular season? Because, you know, from my understanding of meniscal injuries, guys can come back from, you know, around the three to six week mark. And yeah, Jeremy Lin did, I think, back in the you remember when Lin Sanity? Like Yeah, and remember he, he had a he had a meniscus tear there. As well, and I think Meta World Peace came back in something crazy, like two weeks or something like that, and Serge Ibaka as well in the playoffs at some point. Um, yeah. so some guys have come back, um, you know, remarkably quickly from such an injury. But it sounds like they're they're taking the uh, the long term fix option with with Danny T, which, given our uh, injuries he's, around the team, it's it's probably yeah. the right decision. He's got just for him. He's got to to me. You know, he's I think he's got he's probably non guaranteed for next year. All right, like. Uh, I'd have to check his contract status, but like he's certainly still on the minimum. He needs he needs to come back next year really strong, just for him, you know, because um, he yeah he's an NBA NBA caliber big man. He's you know he's worth at yeah, least Aaron totally. Baines money, and um and and you know he's got to he's got to preserve that. He's got to preserve that. We want to see Fongo's highlights for many many years <laughs> to come. Yeah, we definitely want to see some more of Danny T and I hope that he comes back uh, for us healthy next year because uh, he's been great and it's it's very disappointing to hear that he's not going to be in the playoffs for us because I feel like he's the kind of guy who could, uh, like Doc Rivers said about Nate Robinson, you know, if he is back now, he can come off the bench or win us a playoff game. I feel like mm-hmm. Danny T has the potential to, to fulfill a similar role um, you know, here and there for the Celtics. So that was a shame to, to see or to hear, but uh, hopefully he'll be back healthy along with Gordon Haywood uh, and some of our other guys uh, next year or this time next year. Haywood's going to be back. Haywood's going to be back this year. I'm this year? You. Oh, dude. Yeah. That's what dreams are made of. <laughs> anyway. like, literal dreams are made of. <laughs> now, Al Horford, he's out with an illness. Um, maybe you call in sick. Maybe you had flu a rare symptoms? big night out away from symptoms? the family. <laughs> Sorry, go Al. on. Al. <laughs> no, I was wondering if it was flu-like symptoms for Al Horford. Um, <laughs> it just sort of seems to be like part of the deal you have to make with Al Horford that he's just going to miss games for really random reasons, you know? Yeah. Um, Look, it's hard to be that beautiful. You know, it's hard to keep your eyelashes <laughs> that well uh, groomed 
And to, that's right. Al Horford, DNP, day at the spa. Yeah, that's <laughs> right. Yeah, I mean, hopefully he got what he needed out of that uh, that leave of absence and he'll be back uh, along with Kyrie. But, you know, for whatever reason, uh, he was out. Um, that's fine. You're allowed to get sick. Sometimes you just need to chuck a sickie. No worries. Now, Marcus Smart, he's out with... Um, uh, let's just call it an unknown thumb injury. <laughs> so he left the game or left the arena after the Pacers game with a protective case on his right hand. And there's been some discussion as to whether or not it's a sprain or if it's a torn tendon. First, Sham God Sham says uh, via Twitter that Marcus Smart has a torn tendon. But then later in the day, uh, Adrian Wojnarowski comes out basically saying, uh, no, like there's some argument there. I'm just bringing up the actual tweet now. Um, here it is. Right thumb injury to Celtics guard Marcus Smart for now, called a sprain, is under scrutiny with medical staff. League sources tell ESPN. Still unclear if Smart can play through it or will need to miss time. So, I don't know. I don't know what's going on there. What are your thoughts, Joe? I think, well, a sprain rises like where you stretch the was it ligaments or tendons. I, I'm, I'm not so good at at uh, distinguishing between the various forms of dense fibrous connective tissue. <laughs> not a big um, thumb guy, hey? <laughs> not a big thumb guy. Um, but a sprain or a torn tendon, either way, it's going to hurt like hell, you know. And and I imagine he'll be out for a little bit. Um, and that's an issue for us. It's a real issue for us, as we saw pre the All Star break. We really suffer when Marcus Smart's out. Like we're just one of those teams right now where I feel like our our um for us to be good you know we're, we're competitive we're a competitive team and we'll stay in most games but for us to be good we you know we definitely need all of our pieces yeah um, I mean for us and, to be competitive we, in the playoffs certainly um and particularly yeah. without Gordon Hayward who uh unfortunately and painstakingly we'll, <laughs> we'll get to in a second but uh you know Marcus Smart with the thumb I guess you know there's a there's a huge distinction between a sprain and a tear at this point, a sprain, in theory, would heal itself with some rest, whereas a tear would mm, need some surgery. sort of surgery to repair it. So, mm. I don't know. It's it's weird. Like you'd think they just, with all the technology they've got available to them, just like you know, chuck it under a you know the whatever machine, have a little scan, see what's going on there, and, and come back with a clear diagnosis. But uh, apparently, it's not that Good simple. Good point. Yeah, like if there's a tear, I mean, surely that's something that's able to be you know surely you can diagnose that with with some inspection right like <laughs> it's either torn or it's not and you have your yeah your flash medical machines yeah i agree why the uncertainty what's the conspiracy here what is the conspiracy i mean i wasn't gonna i wasn't gonna take it to this place but <laughs> could it have something to I'll do with the fact there. that he's on a contract year maybe there's certain bits of information that the the smart uh uh, cohort is trying to prevent from getting out. Who knows? Mm. That sounds likely, doesn't it? And and, you know? and given the fact that we are looking forward, really at this point, I hate to say it, but really we're looking towards 2019 as our real championship window opening. Is it not such a bad thing that Smart's brand is tainted somewhat, such that we can re-sign him for a favorable amount? Yeah, I mean, I. <laughs> I think we really need him back. I really do. And um and he's so difficult to value. Like it it we really need him back, but it is totally possible for Marcus Smart to be overpaid. You know, yeah. like if if he's I don't know what percentage of the cap you would you get like he's he's definitely worth more than a mid level, but like to me once you start getting up into up ten plus, um as valuable as he is it's, it's role players are funny, right? Like they're very valuable as long as they are able to perform their role. But the trouble with t- team building is that they can't necessarily perform that role in perpetuity, right? Like that's why Jalen Brown is worth more than Smart. Jalen Brown's not actually a better player than Smart, but Jalen Brown has the potential to be a guy that you can justify spending max dollars on. Definitely, right? the potential's there. You know, yeah. If you put Marcus Smart in a situation where he's got a poor team around him. He's gonna have a, you know that's a difficult contract to move. You to me, like, I love him. I'm, I'm so con- you can see me going. You can hear me going backwards and forwards. Yeah. Right? Like, <clears throat> we need him at the right money. Yeah. We, you know we really need him, but he can't be at the wrong money because if he if he's at the wrong money, um, he's not tradable. You know he becomes like if he's 
the it could be a difference between a million and two million a year, right? Like the difference between him on ten million, a difference between him on eight million. Eight million becomes an attractive contract piece, like a Jay Crowder type thing. Totally, yeah. And then ten million could just you know, it could just flip into being an unattractive contract piece. That and then you throw in the fact that if we're going to make a run at Anthony Davis, we actually need some salary to throw it to put into a trade. So so we've got to give our money to somebody. Um. Yeah, I think, you know, you used the Jalen Brown comparison before. We had the Oscars recently, and bear with me, this this thought is just coming <laughs> to me. Jalen Brown is someone who has the potential to one day win best leading actor in, you know, whatever performance. Marcus Smart, now, he could win best supporting actor. Supporting actor as opposed yeah. to lead actor, but he's there in his role, at the, at the top of his game in that role. Whereas Jalen Brown, maybe you pay him a little bit more because of what he can achieve in the future, in future roles in future movies continuing with that analogy it's just tough because you know you can't have a cap slot tied up by somebody you know once you get above those rookie scale contracts everyone's got to be making what they're actually worth you know um drew holiday's a really good player but like the pelicans are stuffed yeah you know like there's just no long-term future there. You know, Drew Holiday's a really good player. Drew Holiday's better than Marcus Smart. Drew Holiday's better than Jalen Brown. But, like, yeah, price is what you pay. Value is what you get. And and um, and you've got to pay the right price. Yeah, I think if there's one thing we know about Danny Ainge and the Celtics front office is that they won't overpay Marcus Smart. You know, sadly, we had to let go of some dudes who were really good for us last year uh, in the, the most recent offseason. And I, I don't think that... Um, given what we've seen historically, I don't think that Danny Ainge would hesitate to, to do the same with uh, with Marcus Smart. But anyway, hopefully in the meantime, uh, he can come back from this, whatever it is, thumb injury and uh, and contribute for us in the playoffs. Now, I've got listed here in our little run sheet um, some positives to end on because this is a pretty gloomy time for our Celtics fans. Uh, you know, I, w- I woke up in the morning this morning. Fell on black days. <laughs> yeah. Pretty much. I woke up this morning uh, about 6 a.m. Sydney time, which I think is about 3 p.m.-ish Boston time. So the, the news of the day for the Celtics is well underway at that point and uh, hopped onto you know, r slash Boston Celtics slash new and just poured through this like very recent list of injury news. And I was like, what the hell is going on? This is the worst start to my day ever. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And so no. I, I did what uh, any normal uh, psychopathic sports fan would do and immediately made a list of uh, positives in my mind. Um, <laughs> and as part of this positives list, I've, I've, chosen, I've chosen to skip the Gordon Hayward portion of our injury segment because who really knows what's going on there. Now, the positives... I do. He's coming back. <laughs> my list of positives. I'm just going to um, start from the top and run through it. And then, Joe, you can give me your thoughts at the end. Uh, number one, we may finally see the, in quotes, full load of Jason Tatum now that he is pretty much the guy on our offense, a rookie. Number two, Yabu. Uh, Gershon Yabuselli, uh, possibly on a plane right now back from, uh, from uh, Maine to, uh, to fulfill his destiny on our Boston Celtics. That's going to be interesting to see. Kyrie Irving will be back. I know he's listed as out indefinitely, but they're, you know, let's be honest, probably just resting him and allowing whatever inflammation has popped up in his mm-hmm. knee to sort of calm down a little bit so that he's good to go um, in full Uncle Drew mode for the playoffs. Al will be back. He chucked a sickie. Maybe had a little cheeky night out on the town there. You know, the dude's got a family. Dude looks like a pretty sensible, committed dude. And every now and then, someone's got to cut loose. That's probably what Al did. All good. He'll be fine. He'll be back. <laughs> Uh, you know who else will be fine? Jalen Brown. Fell on his head. Survived. He's good. He's going to be back as well. Just let the man rest. Uh, the benefit of having a flat top is, you know, might cushion your fall a little bit if you fall directly on top of your head. So uh, that's good to see. <laughs> Smart is still an unknown. That's an unquantified tragedy at this point. Um, mm. You know, best case scenario, his thumb's fine. Uh, he's going to be back. Um and the only thing we know for sure is that Tice is definitely out. And yep. the positive That's spin it. on that is that Vongos can start cutting together the, uh, you know, the, the season in memory highlight reel of uh, Daniel Tice. And we'll get to see that a little sooner rather than later. So uh, that's my list of positives. What would you set, it, what would you set the um, Daniel Tice um, season in review? What would the soundtrack be? Uh, man, I might have to cut this out. But the, the first thing that came to my mind was... Uh, 
<laughs> I'm almost embarrassed to say this, but uh, do us. Uh, <laughs> that's better. I was gonna roll with uh, Celine Dion's "My Heart Will Go On." It is coming from Fungo, so you've got to imagine a heartfelt sort of a uh, you know backing track that's there. That's good. That's good. But, uh, Everything's better with Titanic music. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm hoping you can do better than that, but we'll see. Do us. That's a good one. Just Daniel Tice, Daniel Tice rampaging through the NBA. <laughs> I love it. Before we move on and give Jackson a call to uh, to check in on our, uh, our closest opponents in the league, have you got anything to add to that list of positives? Just to uh, give a little sprinkle of happiness to the uh, the listening Celtics fans. Totally. I'm personally, I'm really excited to see what Ojale does in a more consistent role. He gets spot minutes. I, I when I watch him, I just sort of feel like he is. Uh, not playing the game. I feel like he's thinking so hard about not doing the wrong thing yeah. that he's not just playing. And I, I think he's really capable. Um, it's sort of like, I'd be, I'm pretty excited to see what, what he can do defensively. Um, if he really starts to flourish in that role, it gives us a pretty versatile group defensively. Um, if we can throw you know, him, him out there with Horford you know, and, and just real super switchy. Um, so I'm excited to see Ojale. Um, some other positives are, let's be honest, the Cavs are absolutely crapping the bed right now. Like, yeah. <laughs> look, I know everyone's everyone's all terrified of LeBron. Um, I'm just going to put something out there. They are like a long way, a long way out of second place. They need to be in third place. They are trying. They should be trying to win right now. <laughs> LeBron knows this. They're trying to win. It's not like LeBron's... If, if there's a time to hit the switch, it's now, right? So yeah. LeBron's hitting the switch, and they're still struggling. They're still struggling. I, I don't know, man. Like it's, looking like it's looking like the end of an era to me. I think I'm going to go on record and say... I'm going to say this. I don't think the Cavs are going to advance past the second round. Wow. All right. I, uh, I, Whoever they face, wh- us or Toronto. Whether you're right or wrong, I, I look forward to circling back to uh, to that spicy hot take uh, towards mid to late April and, uh, and and seeing whether or not that dream has come true. But um, I think you're certainly onto something there, mate. I mean, they just, like you said, at this point, they really should be turning it on. They've, they've dropped down to fourth, which for us is I great know. because in the second round, you know, we would potentially face, you know, the, the Pacers or whoever's in the, the third seed there. And the Raptors and the Cavs would be forced to battle things out on their own, which uh, really was, you know, aside from getting the first seed ourselves, is probably the next best case mm. scenario. That's right. And also, I think we get a four. I think currently we get a four-five Wizards Pacers Wizards Cavs series, so they could get knocked out in the first round. I mean, the Wizards have. Well, I know there's that, but they're probably a little bit all talk. But <laughs> the Wizards have played them well over the last couple of years. Yeah, um, totally. And they'll have John Wall back at that point as well, hopefully, which could make things interesting. Yeah, yeah it'll be... The first round of the playoffs is going to be awesome. I mean, the, the second round could be kind of terrible, but <laughs> but like the, the first round of the playoffs is going to be amazing this year, I reckon. I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah, man. Well, speaking of that, we're going to give Jackson a call now to continue our deep dive into our opponent watch and uh, just see what's going on around the league. Thanks, Joe. Uh, we'll see you next week for episode five. Good talking to you. No worries. Pass on mighty gods to Jackson. I will. <laughs> Catch you, man. All right, mate. All right. Now we've got Jackson on the line. Jackson from Newcastle. How are you, mate? Yeah, shout out to Newcastle. Good, man. Good. Subbed in for the, uh, for the start of the third quarter to bring it home. Yeah, that's right. It's good to have you, man. Bring it home in the clutch, for sure, man. Nice to be here. Now, I'm going to throw it straight to you. You're going to take us through uh, another segment of Opponent Watch. Yeah, so we should probably call it the Raptors Watch because they just won't yeah. piss off, will they? Um, Those pesky Raptors. Yeah, yeah. No, look, they're probably <laughs> playing some of the best ball I have seen from them since I started watching the NBA, which hasn't been a great deal of time, but does say something about them. Um, they've just kept winning and winning and winning and winning quite impressively too um the one game i did watch of theirs quite closely was against detroit which was i believe would have been on uh wednesday evening u.s time um that incredible finish that saw um uh the detroit get the lead i think with 10 seconds to go demar Derozan run the entire court slam it down which was just 
epic to watch. And then uh, Blake Griffin got the equaliser to send it into uh, OT. But yeah. Um, yeah, then the Raptors, as they've been done so many times this season, their bench got some big shots and some big plays. Van Vliet, I think, got that uh, corner, that deep, deep two with a few seconds to go and got the win over there. So that was highly frustrating. Um, the Rockets game I didn't see, but uh, again, they got the win there, broke the Rockets' 17-game losing streak, which again, I'm something bitter about that too. I wish they could have broken it at 16 so we could have kept the tied longest winning streak of the season. But um, that game came one game too late and they followed that up with a uh, big, big win over the uh, New York Knicks. So the Raptors, uh, nothing's really changed since last week. They just keep on rolling um, annoyingly enough. So it looks like that first seed is theirs. Uh, a little bit more optimistic reading when it comes to the Cavaliers. They had a pretty oh, yeah. mixed week there. I mean, they got the win over Detroit and... Um, that win over Denver, which looked like it might be a bit of a turning point for them. And then they followed that up with uh, two losses to the Clippers and Isaiah Thomas's Lakers. Oh yeah, IT. Down. It was always, it's always, I don't like seeing the Lakers win, but seeing IT perform well is always welcome to me. And um, knocking the uh, the Cavaliers down a few pegs is uh, always good to see. Um, and in conjunction with that loss to the Lakers, saw the Cavaliers slip down to the fourth seed as the Pacers uh, claim that third seed, which uh, I think we might have to include them on the opponent watch now because it's starting to look very, uh, very realistic or very uh, likely to say that they uh, may even nab that third seed. So that could be, uh, provided all goes well in round one, that could be uh, the round two opponent for uh, for the Celtics. Yeah, definitely. And I, I maintain that we threw that game uh, <laughs> against the Pacers to, to give them the three seed and to drop the Cavs down to the fourth seed. There is a... Um, a post that we'll get to uh, a little bit later that touches on a bit of a conspiracy theory that Terry Rogier missed the final shot on purpose to to make that um, to make that our destiny. Um, but we'll get to that in a little bit. You're right about the paces, though. I, I think you know they're right up there in the number three spot, which is the best that they've seen um, since that that 2012 team with uh, Paul Paul George and Roy Hibbert. Um, and that's off the back of Victor Oladipo just basically balling out. Uh, you mentioned the Lakers before as well. It's sort of a bittersweet situation, right? Where obviously they're our biggest historic rival, but Isaiah Thomas, who was the man for us just as, as recently as last year, absolutely balling out against former teammate LeBron James. And I saw a tweet today quoting Kyle Kuzma saying um, that basically every time Isaiah Thomas was scoring the ball, he was chirping at the at the Cavs bench, which is just awesome to hear um, given how things have been going for him lately. So that, that was really good. Yeah. It must be just the, if you could have like gone back in time to Isaiah Thomas a year ago and, and, and told him what his situation would be now playing for the Lakers, uh, it would just it blow his mind along with everyone yeah. else's mind. I Via Cleveland. Yeah, and the story <laughs> that it's taken to get him from that point is is just remarkable too. So yeah, you're right. It is a bittersweet situation with him playing for the Lakers. But um, look, it's going to take a lot for me to uh, to fall out of love with uh, with that little guy. He just the, what he did for us in the time that he was here was outstanding. So I can't begrudge him any kind of success with the Lakers as long as it's not too much success in the way of uh, preventing us from banner number 18 but um, yeah much love to Isaiah and uh, shout out to getting it done against his uh, against his former team that he left so unceremoniously so that was great to see so on that Sean Grande the Celtics radio guy uh, tweeted out Isaiah Thomas great game 20 points 9 assists and plus 18 while the Lakers dropped the Cavs to 4th and he listed there the NBA East standings so um, not a bad little playoff picture for us um, as it currently stands, um, you know, there's obviously quite a few games remaining in the season and it, it could change from here. But at the moment, we've got Toronto at the first seed, Milwaukee at the eighth seed. Uh, you know, it's good to see potentially our biggest rival in Toronto potentially going up against the Greek freak Giannis in just the first round and then potentially moving on to LeBron James, um, which would be hilariously typical of the of the Raptors' sort of playoff success or lack thereof at this point. If they, they do finally crack that top seed, <laughs> they go up against Giannis in the first round, then Cleveland and LeBron in the, in the second round. So um, I, would, I would enjoy the hell out of that if it happened. And remember, Milwaukee was the last <laughs> team to beat the Raptors. I think they're currently on a six or seven game win streak. Last yeah. team to beat them was Giannis and, and Milwaukee in Toronto. So um, yeah. look, I'm just looking at this playoff bracket now. As as much as the Eastern Conference has been, you know, talked down for so long for being, you know, so much lesser than the West, which I think we would all probably agree to some stage. You look sure. at those playoff matchups and they're all pretty tasty, if you ask me. Toronto, Milwaukee, obviously got the form team of the East up against Giannis, who is probably his first chance to really ball out and really show what he can do in a playoff situation. That would be intriguing. Uh, then you've got us against Miami, who we don't have a winning record against this season. Um, so that could be a potentially tricky one. But I think um, uh, we could potentially 
potentially get we potentially would get the better of them provided we don't go to seven and we get some game seven Kelly Olenek that would be uh, a nightmare <laughs> for everyone involved uh, Indiana Philly again that's something I could see either team winning that the Cleveland Washington series probably if you going on the narrative that LeBron is going to turn it on and Cleveland's going to come alive in the playoffs that's probably yeah. the only one you could comfortably say is going to go uh, to the Cavs but um, yeah some interesting matchups in the playoff bracket as it currently stands yeah, definitely. And if I had to pick from any of those potential opponents in the first round, I would definitely take Miami. I think the, the scariest part of Miami uh, for me is Eric Spolstra. And he is a coach who is of a similar caliber to, to Brad Stevens and that could potentially throughout a, you know, a best of seven series out coach uh, any other coach in the league. So that'll be interesting to see. If it was up to me, like I said, the standings would remain as they are given that we probably won't take that, that first seed from Toronto at this point. Uh, but given all the injuries we've suffered, you know, beginning from five minutes into the season, I think we've done fairly well. Yeah, I think it speaks volumes too. Like, you know, a lot of people write off the first, the um, the regular season, pardon me, um, as, you know, something that you just kind of got to get through and you got to get to the playoffs and that's when the real ball starts. Like that 16-game win streak that we had, in, that we enjoyed at the start of the season is looking yeah. pretty handy right now considering the form that we've had since December. It's been rather patchy and considering the injuries we do have now, you know, that loss, the, that loss column could build a little bit more, probably more so than the win column provided everyone stays out or whether they come back. It's, it's hard to sort of um, envision that at the moment. But um, that 16-game win streak is coming very handy for us, the fact that we're so many games ahead of the third seed as it currently stands. Yeah, nice uh, handy little 16-game 16, 16 winning streak there. Not bad yeah, at all. Not bad. Not um, bad. And we do seem to have figured something out since the All-Star break. So, you know, potentially heading into the playoffs with a, a full complement of players, with the exception of Hayward, although who knows. Um, if, we can, if we can keep that form that we've been displaying since the All-Star break, um, I think we're up for some success, at least in the early rounds of the playoffs. Um, now, moving on, uh, we'll get to the top posts from around our subreddit over the past week. And unsurprisingly, the two top posts of the week are along the lines of Get well, Jalen Brown and Jalen Brown's tweet saying that he's feeling okay. Jackson, oh, Joe and I touched on this earlier in the in the podcast where we went over some of the uh, the recent injuries to the team. But where were you when uh, Jalen Brown landed on his head? Uh, I'm sure this is probably a similar situation to most people watching the games. I was uh, screaming at the top of my lungs because <laughs> it was such an epic dunk that he raced away to, um, to yeah. throw down. Kind of similar to that to Rosen dunk we were talking about earlier there. But yeah, as soon as uh, his hand slipped away and he came down, it was uh, it was that awful, awful feeling that we had probably when Hayward went down uh, to start the season there. He wasn't moving. His arms were kind of locked, which I found out, I think, from uh, Reddit NBA is called the fencing position. And it's that phenomenon yeah. where the, the arm stiffs up when you're concussed. And they had that look in his eye. And just from the reaction that Al Horford had, he sat down like right next to him. I like for it was a good just 30 defeated. seconds there where my heart was properly stopped. I was thinking, oh shit. Like yeah. I, in that moment, I didn't care about whether he comes back this season or whether he's good to play again. Of, you know, for the rest of the season or anything like that. I just wanted him to be okay. I just didn't want him to have some sort of neck or spinal injury that could really be career threatening because that would be an absolute that would be an absolute travesty, a tragedy rather for the for the Boston Celtics and the rest of the NBA because I mean the NBA community, you get the idea, you get the feeling that like when a player does go down, you see tweets from LeBron, you see tweets from all these players, they're wishing them well and stuff. And the outpouring that we saw from Jalen Brown, you know, wishing him well and whatnot was, you know, as you would normally see and as you would expect. So a lot of love for Jalen Brown there. And then obviously when he did get up and start to walk off, you know, it was a big, big sigh of relief there. And he's in the concussion protocol. He's tweeted himself that he's okay. So uh, we can breathe a sigh of relief and uh, hopefully he comes back soon. Yeah, well, the, the top post from the, the Reddit thread in our sub titled Get Well Jalen Brown is from user Busted Racket. I think he pretty much sums it up for all of us. He says, holy fuck, pardon my French, don't think I've ever been so relieved to see a player stand up. Um, yeah, couldn't agree with that guy more. I think everyone feels the same way. That The, the first reply to that comment from Ward0630, same, one of the scariest falls I've ever seen in an NBA game because of where and how he landed. Um, that he could get up and walk off felt borderline miraculous, um, which pretty much sums up uh, and aligns with everything we've said so far. Um, it's just amazing to see him get up and, you know, with some assistance, just walk off the court from after that. Because, you know, you mentioned career threatening before Jackson, but um, like I was going to the, my mind was going to the darkest possible place as soon as the fall happened. Like I'm thinking life threatening, like ability to walk ever again threatening. Um, yeah. So the fact that he got up and, 
uh, and walked away uh, was amazing. And we sort of joked earlier that potentially having a flat top to uh, to cushion the fall onto <laughs> one's head um, is life saving and career saving yeah. at that and point. And that gigantic, there. amazing brain of his too probably uh, I cushioned the blow, but you know maybe that helped a little bit too. Yeah, I mean at the very least he can probably afford to lose a few brain cells. So um, I'm glad that we can sit here and joke still about be, it now. Still but, be um, one of the smartest players around. You bet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now um, moving on, another top post from our sub from the past week. Um, old mate Timmy got his YouTube channel back. Hey, um, yeah. Freaking awesome. I'm, honestly, I'm not too sure as to the circumstances as to how um, he got that back. Um, just that he got some amazing news. They've restored the channel. They've restored all of his videos. Um, obviously, a huge relief uh, to him and all of us around the Celtics Reddit community. So um, get on there to, to Timmy's channel. Um, look at all of the, the highlight videos that he continues to post up as well as some of that original content um, that he keeps churning out. Um, great to have a guy like that as part of our Hoops community for our team and um, hopefully he can keep doing his thing in that capacity yeah. Yeah. Uh, for a while longer. I was going to say, look, for people like me who like have to work during, you know, some of the games and don't see everything, we rely, you know, more or less on those those highlight packages getting yeah. back together. Timmy is, is reliable as clockwork and, you know, it's so good to have him back. I'm just thinking that YouTube probably listened to the uh, the Reddit, the Celtics Reddit podcast, heard the grievances from the three of us and probably the uh, outcry of the uh, community as well and got it back <laughs> up quick spots. So uh, all is well in uh, the land of uh, Timmy and, uh, and the YouTube highlights there. Absolutely. I mean, the, the far-reaching podcast that is the... Oh, yeah. Celtics Reddit podcast. It's probably um, very likely that some of the big wigs up at uh, Google and YouTube were, uh, were having a listen um, and took note of it. So, uh, no, but seriously, like all, all credit where credit's due, Timmy um, obviously made some noi noise there himself and, and got the community behind him. So, um, it's good to see that something positive has come out of that. Um, now, moving on, uh, another top post from around our sub over the past week. Glad to see that this got up there into the top post, and that's Marcus Smart utilizes his Kung Fu maneuvers this was in the balls game i think jackson did you see that that mortal Kombat character style uh recovery from the ground back up onto a, a standing position oh the whole world saw that man it was so <laughs> bad I, I was a big wrestling fan big wwe wwf fan from i think like 1998 to 2002 the rock was my favorite wrestler oh, yeah, he had nice. this move where you thought he was knocked out cold and he would just do the mark i'm calling it the marcus smart now <laughs> up to his feet finds the dude he's after and just rock bottoms him down so all that was missing from that to make it the most badass play of all time was marcus smart just going straight up to i don't know zach levine and just rock bottoming him on the court there yeah, anyway, it was... I, I wanted to see that personally. Maybe <laughs> it wouldn't have been the smartest thing to do, considering the uh, the absences that we've got. But um, yeah, that was awesome, man. I had to. Uh, it was something that I watched uh, multiple times afterwards to uh, really appreciate the uh, the agility that he's got there. Yeah, well, look, maybe if he does follow through on that uh, that rock WWE move, like he said, then uh, he gets a suspension and avoids the injury that he got uh, against the Pacers the other night. Yeah, that's so, true. Um, that's true, might have been the best case scenario. Now, uh, Warlando Bloom has a top co comment on that thread uh which simply says the reverse flop which i think given smarts <laughs> <laughs> history it's pretty hilarious the it's upwards, good to see the upwards flop absolutely yeah it's good to see uh you know someone in the nba swing in both ways i guess in that yeah. sense one comment that i liked um the the hospital bombers and it said intangibles <laughs> and i think that speaks volumes to marcus Smart's game you know you might not see the hustle players you might not see that x that hand in there that deflects the ball out of bounds that you know throws throws the play out of rhythm that makes them start again the intangible things that he's all known for yeah i mean you show me any stat line in the in the world you know whether it's averaging 35 12 and 9 <laughs> or whatever how many how many what did scalabrine call it the cobra kai how many cobra kai's do you average a game that's where the real stats are at yeah that's that's right. And scrolling down the thread, it's all just like Cobra Kai's uh, combat muscles, lots of combat muscles comments, and uh, a lot of calling for the Banner 18 Boogie guy to uh, to immediately cut that footage into uh, into the Banner 18 Boogie. So hopefully... Yeah, good call. Good call on that one there too. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Another top post from around our subreddit is the fact that uh, according to at Real Miles Bowker on Twitter... Terry Rozier is uh, simply better than Michael Jordan and then yeah, kicks no. off a thread. Uh, no. Talk to us about that. Well, I don't know why the the the, re the uh, moderators didn't remove this post. I mean, like, this is just common knowledge, you know. It's a, how many <laughs> posts of these do we get a day? Do we really need to see another one of those? No, but it was good to see this um, <laughs> this uh, Twitter user go into detail on uh, why he thinks uh, he's the uh, he's the best. You know, my favorite one for sure was Michael Jordan was born in 1963. <laughs> John F. Kennedy got killed in 1963. Meanwhile, Terry Rogier was born in 1994, same year as the PlayStation was started. Truly a man of the people. 
How do you argue with that? <laughs> Those are just facts. Certainly yeah. a, a lot of evidence there to support the theory, which is good yeah, to see. That's, uh, that, that, that thread and the, uh, the, the comments off of uh, gave me a really good laugh. I remember I, <laughs> my girlfriend asked me, I was like, what are you, what are you watching there? Why are you laughing so much? Like, Never mind. Never mind. It's all good. <laughs> it's yeah. It's definitely good stuff. And uh, we'll post a link to that Twitter thread uh, on the description for the podcast. So moving on to the aforementioned conspiracy theory that Terry Rogier missed the final shot on purpose. Now, this is an interesting theory and supports our, um, our hopes in matching up with the Pacers in the second round of the playoffs and the Cavs and the Raptors potentially nullifying one or the other in the second round of the playoffs. Yes, yes, please. This is a fan- this is a fantastic theory, and I'm I'm sure it's fact. Um, the subheadline for that uh, post was something along the lines of uh, Mr. Brad Stevens' 5D chess man told him to miss that play, and I, that was something that <laughs> I thought was just spot on. Unfortunately, that subheadline has since been removed by the moderators. Come on, man! It was it was not, not, nothing they said was out of line. There. No surprises there. there. But uh, whatever, whatever. You got you you got to do what you got to do. Um, but yeah, no, it's a fantastic theory because. Uh, a, it definitely has some weight to it. Maybe not the fact he missed on purpose, but the uh, result of it absolutely is um, something that if we probably were given control of our own destiny at the moment, who would we rather face in the second round and who would we ha- rather have Toronto and the Cavs play, which obviously is themselves. So look, it's it's worked out you know, pretty well. I think the fact that we got that offensive foul right at the end of the game, it was just like shades of the Houston game all over again. And I think yeah. the fact that we got that call was just remarkable because that was another game where, you know, dead in the water against the Pacers and it should be a simple inbounds play. And uh, Terry Rogier, remember that first game, got the steal for the dunk. You know, I think if he'd hit that game, uh, send, it to, uh, send it to overtime or hit the three, I just, I don't think this uh, Indiana could have handled that. I think they would have, you know, set, set <laughs> up the energies to, to, to burn uh, Terry Rogier to, to rid themselves of the, of the, the Terry Rogier, a.k.a. better than Michael Jordan curse. And um, it was some some flop from uh, Marcus Morris at the end there that uh, got the call. But hey, look, uh, it didn't go in. He obviously missed it on purpose. It's worked out best for everyone. And uh, yeah. Yep, I'll definitely be going to bed tonight with a thought in my head that Terry Rogier absolutely missed the final shot on purpose. Uh, there's a comment in the thread about how it's impossible for Rogier to miss in clutch situations. Uh, I've never seen it happen. And you'll have to show it to me for me to believe it. And the, the top the top comment on the thread is that um, this supports the original theories that Kyrie sat in the second half so that the Pacers could get the third seed. So just more evidence stacking up up there to support that conspiracy theory, which this, is uh, this good to see. This franchise knows what it's doing, and it's all about big picture, and it's, uh, <laughs> it, it's, got, it's got its agenda well sorted out. Mild, yeah. Light years ahead of other franchises. All right, well, that just about does it for episode four of the Boston Celtics Reddit podcast. We've got a few games coming up between now and the next time we see you. Uh, at Wednesday at home versus the Wizards. We've got Friday in Orlando versus the Magic and Sunday versus the Pels in the Big Easy, New Orleans. We'll see you again uh, before Tuesday when we face the Thunder. Jackson, thanks for joining me, man. It's been real. Appreciate it. Appreciate coming through in clutch time, man. All right, guys. Catch you next week. Peace. Yeah.